let's get to our passage today. Um, we're currently preaching through a series on how to live out Christ's righteousness within our lives. And Christ begins this message basically warning us not to live our lives or our lives of faith for the eyes of men, but to live it for the eyes of God. And, you know, he went through two examples to, to clarify that for us. The first was, this is how you give to the needy for God. And then last week he spoke to us about how to pray for God. Today we're going to end this series talking about how to fast for God. Fasting. We're going to talk about fasting today. When was the last time you heard a message on fasting? In the past five years. Yeah, we don't talk about it much at church, do we? You know, I know it's fasting is a weird thing. You know, it is a weird thing. Uh, and fasting is weird because it's such a, well, we'll talk about the weirdness of fasting, but uh, fasting is such a personal thing before God. And the message that Christ is sending us through our passage today is that something that's supposed to be personal and intimate with God can actually be done for the eyes of men. And he's warning us against that. But before we get into that, uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about fasting. Okay, How many of you know what fasting is? Raise your hand. How many of you have no idea what fasting is? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, some of us, some of us may not. You know, honest, I'll be very honest with you. When I became a Christian, I had no idea that something like fasting even existed. You know? Uh, I remember I was in uni and I asked my roommate, hey, let's go, let's go have some lunch. And he's like, oh, I can't. I said, why not? He goes, I'm fasting. I said, what's that? He's like, we just don't eat. I said, why not? And then he's like, you know, I don't know. I, my, uh, we're not supposed to eat today. I said, why? And he said, because it's good for us. I said, how? I don't know, but we should. I said, why? Eddie, I don't know. You know, my CG leader told me to fast every Thursday. It's Thursday, so I just can't eat. So can we just get over it? Go ask someone else. And I was like, and I, and, and I walked away, and I was like, whoa, what is this thing called fasting? You know, is there something spiritual behind not eating? Is there something, like, spiritually powerful behind just not eating? You know, why would you not eat? And why do they call it fasting? Does it make you faster, you know? And it does, because if you don't eat, you get lighter, and so you get faster. So is that why they call it fasting? Uh, you know, over the past 30 years that I've been a Christian, I've heard every reason to fast. You wouldn't believe it. People come and preach to me about why we should fast. One person came up to me and said, Eddie, I realized it. I unlocked it. I said, what did you unlock? The reason why we're supposed to fast. I said, why is it? Because God wants to purify our physical bodies. I said, really, explain that. Said, if we fast, do you know that by not eating, that physiologically it's good for you. And God knew that. God wants our bodies to be pure. And I said, get out of here. <laughs> you know, that's not why we fast. I never read that verse. And, I, you know, and that's on one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum, people are like, no, you know, when you fast, it supercharges your prayer so that God can't even help but to answer it. I was like, is that true? If that's true, I should have like 30 Corvettes by now, you know? But it's not true. You know, this is not true, okay? So these are not biblical reasons for fasting. But fasting is so confusing. I mean, what does giving up food do? By giving up food, does it actually make something happen? And if so, how and why? Right? Did you ever think, did you ever ask that? Or did you just accept fasting as fasting? We probably just accept fasting as fasting. But is fasting some formula that God conjured up so that all of a sudden our requests, our prayer requests, actually be, have more clout? You know, is there a weightiness to it if all of a sudden we decide not to eat along with prayer? I mean, does fasting uh, kind of like make our prayers jump to the front of the queue? 
so that God could answer those first. And, and then all of a sudden, if I fast longer, not just a day, but what if like a three-day fast, five-day fast, 10-day fast, 40-day fast, all of a sudden, if I, the longer I fast, does it move up my prayer point or that, the cue position faster? You know, is that why they call it fasting? Do I, does my prayer get answered first? There's so many questions about fasting, and there's a lot of conflicting viewpoints about fasting. So let's talk about fasting for a little bit, and then we'll get to our actual passage today. Let's start with the definition. Here is the definition of fasting. Fasting is abstaining, which means to choose to stay away from. Fasting is abstaining from something vital in order to seek after God. Okay, that's the definition of fasting. Fasting is choosing to abstain from something vital so that I could seek after God. This is why God created fasting. Okay, you know, all throughout scripture, I want to talk about that phrase vital before I get into scriptural basis of fasting. You know, back in scripture, most, for most of it's like 6,000 years of history recorded there, something like that. For most of, for most of uh, the Bible times, many Jewish families, for many Jewish families, eating was very vital to them. You know, for many of these families, they had no idea when their next meal would, would come from or where it would come from. And so praying for their next meal was very, very important to them. You know, they were always concerned about feeding their families. You know, so food was a very, very important part of life. They thought about it all the time. And that's why even in the Lord's Prayer, do you notice how Jesus instructs them on how to pray and one of those lines says, give us this day our daily bread. Because that was such a huge, important thing. It was teaching them the dependence, how to depend on God for even their daily sustenance. So that's really huge. It was, you know, feeding and food was so important to people back then. It's not like us, where we have so much food in our pantries and in our refrigerators. We don't have to worry about it too much. I've been to some of your houses. Some of you guys have like two refrigerators. Some of you guys have three refrigerators, one just for beverages, you know, one for like side dishes, you know, whatever. And it's amazing. You know, I only have one fridge, but, you know, it's amazing. You know, we have so much food in our in our days, in our day and age. We have so much food that food is not as important. You know, it's not as vital. Eating sometimes is not as vital because we can just eat anytime we want to all throughout the day, all throughout the night, anytime we want to. It's always available to us. But for people back then who didn't have daily food. Food and eating was extremely vital. So when they were commanded to fast, they gave up what was most vital to them, which was food, in order to seek after God. That's huge, isn't it? That's huge. That's huge. But why do we have to give up something vital in order to seek after God, Eddie? Isn't just seeking after God enough? Why combine it? with giving up something? And the best answer that I could find for that question, which is, I think is the question of questions, is because God said so. <laughs> you know, uh, God just said, this is what I want you to do. So let me share with you the biblical basis of fasting. Okay, There are three main reasons why people fasted in the Old Testament. And the main reason, the most common form of fasting, and the main reason why these people fasted was to express Repentance. That's the first and main reason why people fasted. You know, when God's people throughout the Old Testament realized that they had completely sinned before God, a lot of times they would call a nationwide 
fast. And it wasn't for some trivial sin or from, like, for some temporary lapse of judgment that went on. It was for like a prolonged and a deep rebellion that they had against God. And during these times, not only would they fast, but they would pray and just dedicate days to seeking after God. Sometimes they would like throw ashes on themselves. Ashes. And dress themselves in sackcloths, right? Just, and so, you know, so repentance to them, uh, fasting to them was this outward sign of penitence. Penitence. They wanted to have a penitent heart before God. And so what they would do is they would just fast and repent and repent and make sacrifices for forgiveness. Now, I just want to be clear, just because you fast, they didn't try to earn God's forgiveness by fasting. They just want to express their grief and sorrow over their own sinfulness before God. And that is why they fasted. Eddie, is there a, a law? Is there a command in the law to fast? And there actually is. But there, it only occurs once. It actually occurs. God commands all of Israel to fast on one day out of the year. You know what that day is? It's the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a day that was completely and specifically set apart for the whole nation of Israel to repent of their sins and to make sacrifices for their sins. So fasting and repentance kind of really went hand in hand very powerfully in the Old Testament. Uh, secondly, uh, people fasted in the Old Testament to grieve hard and difficult circumstances. You know, when people went through extremely difficult times in the Old Testament, they fasted. You know, fasting came alongside mourning and grieving. Like the time where King Saul and his son Jonathan died at the same day, on the same day, in the same war. You know, the whole nation fasted in mourning because they loved. They were, such, they were in such grief that their king and his successor had died. And so the whole nation was fasting in mourning. And fasting during these times gave voice. And it gave uh, voice to their pain and sorrow of the sudden and severe circumstances that they encountered. But the reason for the fast wasn't just to express their sorrow and grief, but the reason for fasting during these times of sorrow and grief was also to transfer their trust to God. You know, when they fasted for Saul and for Jonathan, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, we're grieving, this is horrific, but God, we also trust in you that you are our God and you are our true king. And so they fasted on that behalf. Um, if you guys know the story of Esther, you know, there was an evil guy named Haman, and he ruled this edict saying, hey, you know, all the Jews are going to be killed. And so all the Jewish people were just totally distraught over that. And so Esther, you know, declares this fast. Says, I think our whole nation needs to fast. But it's not just in grief and sorrow over the edict that just was handed down, but it was also so that we could transfer our trust into the sovereignty of God. So their hearts would truly trust in God alone. And even Esther knew that fasting couldn't force God to do what they wanted because she says, even after our fasting, if I die, I die. You know, God may not answer our prayers in the way that we want it, but it's okay. Let's just trust in him by fasting. Do you guys understand? So we, they fasted during difficult circumstances. Lastly, they fasted to seek God's guidance and God's favor in their lives. You know, when God's people found themselves in situations where they needed wisdom, like big wisdom, 
where they really needed God's guidance during these huge you know, times within their history, they declared a fast. The first time fasting was ever, I think, declared among the people of Israel outside of the Day of Atonement was, I think it was in Judges, the book of Judges, where uh, the nation of Israel didn't know what to do. Uh, should they go to war? And they didn't know whether to, make the, whether to say yes or no. So they said, we need to seek after God. And this was a huge one, too, because it was against their own tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. Should we go to civil war against our own people? And so they declared a nationwide fast just to seek God's wisdom and to seek God's answer and guidance through that. And so they fasted in dire circumstances. They fasted when they wanted God to rescue them from their enemies. They fasted when people were very sick. They fasted when their lives were at stake, like in the book of Esther. And so they fasted during these times where they were to seek after God's guidance and favor. But what's the common denominator of all these types of fasting? The common denominator is our need for God. That's why we fast. We fast to declare our need for God, our need for guidance, our need for favor, our need for forgiveness, forgiveness, our need for comfort, whatever it might be. God, you are the person that we need during these times, and because we want it so desperately, we are going to abstain from everything that's vital so that we can have more of you. This is why we fast. You guys understand that? This is fasting. So faithful fasting, whether, whatever the conditions of its origin, is always rooted in our need for God. We need God's help. We need God's favor. We need his guidance, his rescue, his comfort. We fast because we need God. So fasting expresses to God our deeply felt need for God. And this is why we fast. And if that's the case, then fasting is really good, isn't it? And fasting regularly is great, isn't it? Right? Especially for hearts like ours, which are prone to wander. You know, on any given day, if you were to call me and ask me, Eddie, do you need God? Do you know that you need God? I'd be like, hmm, I think so. But that's you know, that's how messed up we are. You know, we don't realize that it's God who's the one that's keeping our hearts beating. You never thought about that. It's God's the one that, you know, keeps our lungs pumping. You know, it's God the one that even on the cellular level keeps the potassium, sodium potassium pump running. You know what I'm saying? If you guys biochemists out there. Or, you know, this is what happens. So, you know, it's God the one that, 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 that does everything within our lives. And we, our hearts are so evil, our hearts are so prone to wander that we don't even that we even convince ourselves that we don't need God. And it's during these times that fasting will realign and recenter our hearts and our minds on what is most vital in the world, and that is God. That is why we fast. Cool? That's the Old Testament. Okay? Did it change in the New Testament? And the answer is no, not really. There's one definitive passage in the New Testament that all theologians agree is the definitive passage on fasting, and that's Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 15. Here, the disciples of John the Baptist asked Jesus, hey, how come your disciples aren't fasting? Because we're fasting, Pharisees are fasting. Let's read this together. Verse 14 says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus answered, here we go. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. And here Jesus is saying that there is no need to fast if Jesus is there with them. 
right? But after Jesus ascends to heaven and leaves the disciples, then it will be time for them to fast. Why? What's the difference? Here we go. Jesus is saying, these guys will fast after I ascend to heaven because that is when they will know what life is like without Christ beside them. And therefore they will fast because they long for me to be closer to them. So fasting expresses our longing for God. And that's the definitive passage right out of Jesus' mouth on why we should fast. So the common denominator for fasting in the New Testament is the exact same as the Old Testament, and that is that we need God and that we long for more of God in our life. It's an expression of our deep need for God and desire for more. So we fast. Practically in our lives, why do we fast? Why should we fast? When should we fast within our lives? Well, whenever we, whenever we see a pattern of sinfulness in our lives continually before God, I think that's a good time to fast. God, I need help breaking the cycle of sinfulness within my life. I need your forgiveness. I need to be centered upon your forgiveness, your grace, your love. I don't seem to be doing that. I seem to be driven by guilt. I seem to be driven by, you know, uh, shame and all these things. God, break me out of that. I need to fast. You know, um, we fast when we find that sinfulness in this world is causing things like war and sickness and pandemics. I think, you know, if you haven't fasted already for the current COVID pandemic in the world, I think it's a great time to fast and just say, God, we need you. You know, we need you more than anything because of the sinfulness that's happening around the world. We fast when we need to be rescued from attacks and persecution. We fast to express our grief in life and to trust in his goodness. We fast when we need his guidance and wisdom for our futures. You know, many of you, the most common question I get asked by uni students and people who just graduated is, oh, what does God want me to do? And the first thing I'll say to you is what? Pray about it. See, you thought I was going to say fast. And then I'll say fast because you need it. You need wisdom and guidance for your future. You know, and if you really want God to speak to you, then I would fast, you know? Fasting is so necessary. And the greatest part about it is that all throughout Scripture, it proves that God loves rewarding his people who fast correctly. What are those rewards, Eddie? Well, um, a lot of times he gives people wisdom, right? If you, if you pray for wisdom and guidance, a lot of times he gives us wisdom and guidance. He saves people from dire circumstances. He comforts the brokenhearted. He heals the sick. But most powerfully, he gives himself to people. You know, he always gave people a greater knowledge of himself. He always blesses people with a greater awareness of his presence so that they can live the next day completely dependent upon his grace. And that is the greatest answer to fasting. You know, true trust, complete trust and dependence upon God alone. If the goal of our fasting is to have more of God, he will always bless us in that way and possibly even answer our requests. You know, once again, you know, fasting doesn't obligate God to answer our requests, but I think it's obvious as we read throughout scripture that he affirms those who fast and are favorable to answer the prayers of those who fast correctly, which brings us to our passage today, right? Jesus in our passage today is not rebuking religious people for fasting. As a matter of fact, Jesus expected all of his believers to fast regularly, okay? So if you're not fasting regularly, 
That'll be our number one application point for today. But he expected all of, all of his believers to fast regularly. Why? Because all of us need more of God within our life. And all of us have you know, hearts that are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. You know, so we need to recenter ourselves upon God. And fasting helps us to do that. So he's warning believers in our passage today to make sure that something as beautiful, something as wonderful, something that recenters your whole life upon God alone is not done for the eyes of men, but is done for the, for the eyes of God alone. That's why it says in verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. So these hypocrites, these religious leaders, these actors, that's what the word hypocrites mean, what they would do is when they would fast, it was their opportunity to put on a show for people to know that they are being very religious. You know, did you ever experience that? Don't talk to me on Thursday. I'm fasting. You know, don't bother me the next week. I'm fasting. And then, you know, you'll see them like look like all somber and stuff like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, I'm fasting. You know, they'll say, they whisper when they say they're fasting. I don't know why they do that. Anyway, that's what they did. And so these people, you know, fasting was given to us so that we could know more of God and enjoy God and be recentered upon his grace. But they would use fasting now as a tool to gain the praise of men. And at the end of verse 16, it says that these actors received their reward in full. They used fasting to purchase the praise of men, and they got exactly what they paid for. So what was always meant to be this spiritual self-discipline and something to honor God with, now all of a sudden turns into this self-righteous display of religiosity. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking against, right? And this is, and even though we might, it's easy for us to judge them for stuff like this, we do stuff like this subtly all the time in the church, okay? So I'll just share one example today. You know, when I first became a Christian, people said to me, um, people used to always say to me, Eddie, I really think you should dress up for Sundays. So why? Because we're coming to worship God. You know, if you have a suit, you should wear it. And I was like, oh, that makes sense, you know? And then I remember one pastor said to me, if you were to meet the President of the United States tomorrow, would you wear a T-shirt and shorts and your runners? I'm like, you'd wear a suit. I'm like, okay, it makes sense. Okay, this is the 80s. It made sense for people in the 80s. Okay, so, you know, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Uh, and so maybe that works for the first like two or three weeks. You start dressing up so that you can worship God and give him your best. But then all of a sudden you turn around and what happens? Church becomes a fashion show, you know, where everyone's like trying to look better than everyone else. And you're trying to dress better and everyone's commenting on everyone's clothing and how cool it is. And people come and you, you wake up on Sunday mornings now saying, oh, what should I wear today? What's like the coolest thing? What's the nicest thing? And then the only thing that you're concerned about is not the worship of God, but like what people might do, what people might say and comment about what you're wearing. You know what I'm talking about? Hopefully you don't. But if you've gone to church long enough, you probably do. And this is how evil we are, church people. You know, we'll, we'll take it a step further. And what we'll do is we'll start judging other people's spiritual health based upon what they wore that Sunday. Did you ever do that? Right? Oh, that kid wore a skivvy. Oh, sorry, not a skivvy. But we wore a singlet and a hat to church. You got to pray for that boy. You know, people would say stuff like that. You know, I always get skivvy and singlet. Those are not American words. So I'm always like, is that the turtleneck or is that the... Anyway, uh, so, you know, but that's what people would say all the time. You know, almost anything that's supposed to serve as an outward sign of an inward attitude can be cheapened by hypocritical piety. 
You know, that's why Jesus says he warns us to be careful because at the center of it all is our hearts. You know, we're so evil that we'll take something as precious as fasting, which is supposed to be given to us just to get closer to God and make it a show for others. So he says, please, when you fast, fast for God alone. Okay, but how do we do that? Jesus answers that question in verses 17 to 18. Verse 17 says, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus gives us various instructions, our specific instructions here about how to fast. He says, Put oil on your head, wash your face. Face. Are, there, are these things very spiritual? Are there spiritual reasons behind these things? And the answer is no. This is just what every average Jewish person did every morning when they woke up. They washed their face, they put oil on their head. And that was the point. What Jesus is saying is, treat that day that you're fasting like any other day. Look exactly like you would any other day so that no one will know that anything is different about you. You might know inward in your heart that day is dedicated to God, that you're going to live for God, but no one else should. So on the outside, make sure you look as if it's any other day. That way you won't be tempted to try to brag about your spirituality. Right, Because that's really what's at stake here, isn't it? So who cares if people know you're fasting? But inside your heart, you might be tempted to brag about your spirituality. So this is what we need to do. We need to make sure that when we fast, on the inside, our devotion is to God. But what God's saying here is on the outside now, make sure that the outside is a devotion to God. And the way you make it a devotion to God is to make sure that it's secret, to make sure that it's just between you and God, Make sure that it's personal and intimate. And don't let anyone in. Make sure it's just me and you. right? Let your outside truly reflect your inside. And when God sees that your heart and attitude and approach to fasting is for him alone, internally, externally, that's when he will reward you. What is that reward he talks about? And we talked about this already. Wisdom, forgiveness, grace, direction, relief, comfort, his presence, but mostly himself. If the goal was to have more of him, then if we fast correctly, hopefully we can leave all of our fasts fully satisfied in Christ alone. So fast for God alone. Do you guys understand this? That's our text for today. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. So what does that mean practically for us when we fast? Now that we know how to fast properly, uh, maybe the, once again, I said it before, maybe first and foremost, the best application point we can apply to us is to start fasting regularly. Can I just take a survey? How many of you here fast regularly? Okay, don't do that, because then you'll be tempted. I just totally, I'm violating this. Uh, well, let's forget, screw it. Okay, uh, let's move on. I don't fast regularly, but I need to, okay? Um, so here are my tips, just in case you may not know how to, Start. Where do I start, Eddie? Well, let me give you four steps on how we can start fasting regularly. Number one, if you've never fasted before, can I suggest that you uh, just do one day a month? Start there. One full day, 24 hours, if you can. You don't have to be legalistic about that. It could be sunrise to sunset. It doesn't matter. But as long as you dedicate a whole day to God. Dedicate that whole day to seeking after God and for living for Him. Make sure that day is about Him alone and living out His righteousness, not before men, 
but for God. So one day out of the month, okay? And if you're not sure exactly what that looks like, I really I tried to think of this example, and hopefully this will give you a much better example of what it means to fast, okay? Uh, I'm sure all of us have encountered this situation at one time in our lives. You know, one if you ever go to uni or if you're in high school, uh, one day you wake up and you're like, oh man, the exam is tomorrow, isn't it? I didn't study at all. I'm so screwed. So what do you do? Um, you go to your room, you throw all your books into your backpack, right? and you sling it over your shoulder, you run downstairs, you put on your shoes, and your mom's like, hey, aren't you going to have dinner? You're like, no, I don't have time. You know, and then you run off, and, you, and on the way to the library, let's just say, I know you guys don't go to the library these days, but on the way to the library, you know, you're like, oh, man, hold up. That TV show's tonight. It's every Thursday. Oh, wow. And then you just keep on going because you need to get to that place in the library. You might turn off your phone, switch off your phone, do whatever. You go to the furthest corner in the library, and you situate yourself there, and you hunker down, and all you do is what? Study. And if you didn't notice, you just decided to give up your dinner. You just decided to uh, what? Uh, give up your favorite TV show. You just decided to cut off all communication with people. You decided to cut yourself off from the internet. I don't know if you did, but you know, whatever it is. All oh, for what reason? Because there is something vital that's in, that's in front of you. This exam is so important, I don't have time for anything else. Those things are good and really important in my life, but you want to know something? This is so much more important. I need to study and nothing's going to get in my way from learning this material. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about? To me, that's fasting. The moment you wake up one day and you realize, oh my gosh, I need God. And I know there's a lot of important things that I do in my life. You know, my family, my friends, the internet, email, social media, food, drink, whatever. There's a lot of great things that are really important in your life. But all of a sudden, something, it becomes crystal clear to you that you're missing the most important thing in your life. And that's a close relationship with God. So you choose to forego everything, what all these important things, so that you can obtain what is most important to you, and that is a relationship, a healthy, connected, heart exchange relationship with God. Do you guys understand? This is fasting. And what I would love for you guys to do is one day out of a month, if you've never done it, it's hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but one day out of a month if you're not used to it. And if you get better, you can do one once every fortnight, once every week, you know, whatever. It's up to you. You know, just okay? But I think that's what fasting does. So let's do that. And when you start fasting, so then the question is, what should I fast from, Eddie? And that's always a common question. And this is my second step. Choose something vital in your life. Okay? It could be one thing, it could be multiple things. You know, if this is your first time, just just do one thing. And if you get better, you can choose more things. If you understand fasting, then you understand that choosing to give up something vital, you, you understand that you are choosing to give up something vital so that you can have what is most important. So when you think about what's vital that you're trying to give up, think of something that's really important. You know, maybe it's the internet for most of you. That's huge, right? Can you imagine one day without social media. <laughs> oh, man, commit suicide. You know, I mean, it's huge. Or, you know, it could be food, it could be drink, whatever it is, something that's super important because we should feel the pain of not having it that day. Because what that does is that pain reminds us that we're giving up something so important so that we can have what's most important. And this pain reminds us of our pursuit. 
And that's the whole point. When we feel the pain of missing food, it should show us and remind us and recenter us on what's important, what should be the most important pursuit within our life. And that is Christ. That's God, having more of him. And so the pain is good. You know, I know when, in fa- when we fast, a lot of times we try to avoid the pain. Don't avoid it. The pain is there for a reason. I think it's part of the design. It should be costly so that you can be continually be reminded of your greatest need in Christ. Every single time it hurts. Okay. Third, don't advertise your fast. Okay. Don't tell people, hey, don't call me. Instagram. I heard, I saw an Instagram post or a Facebook post. Please don't contact me on Thursday because I am fasting. You know, I just thought, oh, wow. Okay. So don't do stuff like that, okay? And if you can, avoid trying to, those situations where you have to tell people that you're fasting on Thursday or something like that, okay? Just try to avoid it, okay? Avoid the temptation to tell others because at the end of the day, what we're, all we're doing is we're guarding our hearts because we don't, we'll, we're the ones that will be tempted to have other people praise us because we look more spiritual. Okay, that's what we're trying to guard here. Lastly, spend that day seeking only God. You know, read your Bible more. Pray extendedly all throughout the day whenever you can. But also spend that day loving other people. And this is really important. Make a schedule for that day, you know, so that you can go and serve other people. Share the gospel with people maybe that you always wanted to share with. Help the needy. Reconcile with others. Live out the gospel in your life intentionally, not because you should, but because you believe that by living out his righteousness that day intentionally, it will get you closer to God, right? You will get closer through obedience. And that is the kind of fast that God loves. Do you guys understand that? Okay, hopefully those four simple points help you out. If you're, if you got, if you're a pro already and you want to do prolonged fasting within your life, I have a few steps for you. I have a few suggestions, but I am not a good faster, so I'm probably not a good resource. You know, so, but I can point you to some better resources. But the bottom line is, let's start fasting. And let, when we do, let's fast for God alone. Okay, if you have any other questions about that, please come and see me. Let's start fasting. All right. um, Fasting is an amazing spiritual discipline because the point of fasting is to to be reminded of what we need most within our lives, which is Christ, right? That which is most necessary. And by starving ourselves from food or things that give us life, we come to realize how much we value, love, and live off of things So many other things besides Christ, who's the true giver of life. So fasting reveals to us how deeply we've exchanged the satisfaction of a vital relationship with God with our dependence and desire for lesser things. You know, fasting is awesome because at the end of the day, and this is hopefully what you'll experience, when you fast, you know what it does? It just reveals your sin a lot. You know, you realize, oh, man, I want food more than Jesus. Oh, man, I want the Internet more than Jesus. I want to post something more than Jesus. You know, whatever it is, that's all it's going to reveal to you that day. And that's good because it reminds you and it shows you very, 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 like, clearly how sinful you really are. And so it drives you and it, re- and it makes you realize your need for forgiveness. It makes you realize your need for Christ's righteousness, even to fast for him. It makes you realize how much you need him. But there is something greater that happens when you fast, if you fast correctly. And you know what that is? It's not realizing your need for Christ. We think that's like the most important thing. No. If you're a believer, the greatest part about fasting is that it reveals that you are in Christ. 
that you're already his. That you actually operate under his forgiveness. That you operate completely secure in his love. And that you operate knowing that he has adopted you and that you are completely his. So yes, we are failures. Yes, we have these hearts that are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. But we're covered by his blood. We're embraced by his arms. And we can be celebrated because we're his. He chose us. And that's what fasting reminds us. And it's the greatest. And so when we fast correctly and properly before God, not, yes, if we just see how sinful we are, that's step one. But hopefully we get to the end where we see how great he is, even way above our sinfulness, and we can celebrate and enjoy him and be completely satisfied in him. And this is how fasting should be. And so if we fast correctly, we can literally walk away from fast fully satisfied in Christ alone. And this is the gift that he wants to reward us with. And for me, if that doesn't bring revival into our lives, I really don't know what will. So let's begin fasting regularly, okay? And let's let all, let's all experience Christ more regularly as well. And I think this is the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount, in this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount. Christ says, no matter what we do, especially the religious things, there's such a great temptation to perform for men instead of worshiping and seeking God. The warning is not to fall into that trap, no matter what we're doing. What does that mean? It means that nothing that we do in our lives can be on autopilot. Everything that we do should be intentional. You know? It means our walk with God should be intentional. All of our acts of righteousness should be intentional. Our service at church should be intentional. From our job to our marriage to our worship, all things must be done intentionally for God and carefully not for men. In this way, we'll live a life that is continually rewarded by God. Right? And that is what we want. Be perfect, but be careful as well. Let's pray. You know, fasting reminds us that we need Jesus within our lives. If there's anyone here who would like to surrender their lives to Christ today, won't you do so? Christ died upon the cross to pay the penalty of your sins. And the moment you put your faith in Christ today, not only are you forgiven, but Christ then puts his perfection upon you so that you can now have a relationship with him and live out that perfection for him alone. If that's what you want to do, can you just tell Jesus, put your faith in Jesus today and begin living for him today. If you're a believer, let's commit ourselves to living our lives for God's eyes only. Let's ask God to show us areas within our life where we're living for men instead of him. Let's repent of those. And from this day forward, let's live our lives intentionally for God alone. Let's pray. Forgive us for that, Father. Forgive us for being so full of ourselves in that way, for not even noticing you, for even though we say we're followers, we don't follow anyone but ourselves often. Forgive us for that, God. Lord, I pray that you will just return our hearts back to you, God, in every single way, so that we will want to do things intentionally, God, for you, for your man. It doesn't matter if we're eating, it doesn't matter.
Father, we thank you so much for the ways that you've been speaking to us. God, we need you. Every day, we don't, we don't even think about you most days. And God, we ask that you forgive us for that. We don't even realize that you're the one keeping our hearts pumping, our, our lungs pumping. You're the one that constantly gives us the gift of vision, hearing, all these things, the ability to go to our work, all these things you give us, Father. But yet, in our heart of hearts, so often, not only do we forget, but sometimes we even convince ourselves that we don't need you. Father, forgive us for that. Lord, recenter our hearts and our lives so that we would truly realize every moment how much we need you for all things. And Father, may that realization drive us to prayer, drive us to fasting, drive us to see you clearly, God. Anoint us with your spiritual eyes and with your heart so that we would constantly not only see ourselves, but Father, see this world in that way cause us to truly be people who stand in the gap, people who truly see the way this world is moving. And Father, help us to be men and women that will stand in the gap, pray and fast so that your righteousness and your goodness and your perfection can reign once again. Lord, teach us how to follow after you. Teach us how to depend upon you. Twist and turn and mold our hearts, God, so that it truly might be yours alone. And in the crucible of fasting and prayer, make us yours. God, we thank you for the ways you're speaking to us. Continue to speak to us more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, why don't we rise?